Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. Your host, Mr. Jono Petrahilos, currently generates over a million dollars a year selling his online courses. And now he teaches you how to do the same. Along with listening to our podcast, make sure to join the Course Creator Community Facebook group. It's one of the largest and most engaged Facebook groups in the space. You'll find the link in the show notes. Anyway, let's get to today's show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I am super excited because we've got an awesome guest on the line this week uh, from Melbourne, Australia. I think from Melbourne, Australia. The accent's super weird, but her, her bio says Melbourne, Australia. Maybe we'll we'll find out. Uh, a little bit about this person. She helps you start your own online business. So as online course creators, that's perfect for us. Uh, and she's the host of the popular podcast, The Online Business Launchpad. I recommend everybody subscribe to that podcast. I'll put the link down below. Uh, and without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Ms. Trudy Rankin. Trudy, how are you? I'm well, thank you. And thank you for having me on your podcast. No, thank you for coming on. It's always good to speak to a fellow Aussie. Wait, you're Australian? I, I can't pick your accent. What, where are you from, Trudy? No, not, not an Aussie, but love living in Australia. Uh, so born, born and raised in the US uh, until I was nearly finished with university. Ended up meeting a, a Kiwi in Hong Kong, as you do. Uh, ended up getting married uh, and then finishing, as soon as we finished my university, we moved to New Zealand, moved back to New Zealand because my husband needed to finish his degree and uh, basically lived in New Zealand and Australia for many, many, many more years than I ever lived in the US. So, and, you know, basically just like all, all the places, it's good. It's uh, it's fascinating listening to Trudy's accent because I've spent a lot of time in all three of those, Australia, USA, and New Zealand, so I'm very good at accents. But Trudy's is the one. It depends on the word, the way she said so. You know, she said that very Australian, but then some of the words are very American, some of them are very Kiwi. Let, let me give you a test. Say the word Say the word six. Six. That's very Australian. Say the word, say fish and chips. Fish and chips. Wow, half, half. Interesting. Um, Trudy, I like to start all my podcasts off with a quote or mantra that inspires you or fires you up. Have you got one for us? I do. One of the, one of the things that, that I uh, feel is really, really, really important, both for myself and for the people that we work with and anybody who's an entrepreneur, is, is that you can get down in the dumps really easily. And so for me, the, the mantra is, is that basically if you fall down seven times, get up eight. That's my definition of success. Yeah, love that. Because it's you're going to get knocked down either way, right? If you think, and in anything, you know, entrepreneurism, sport, relationships, weight loss, you know, the people that win are the ones that get back up. So I, I love yes. that. Uh, Trudy, I've been listening to your, pod, to your podcast for a while now. I've got a pretty good idea of, of what it is you do. Someone's listening to this. They haven't heard of you before. Uh, give us a bit of a rundown. What is it you do? Why do you do it? And how did you get into it? Yeah, for sure. Um, basically, basically, I help people start an online business. And, and it's not just anybody that we work with. It's people who tend to find themselves struggling to fit in the world of nine to five work. Um, and so for, for whatever reason in their life, they, they either can't get work 
or they can't find something that fits their needs, their lifestyle needs. They might be a carer. They might be somebody who needs to work part-time because they might be a parent or they might have kids they need to look after. Um, so we tend to have a lot of people who are carers, actual carers. You know, they look after somebody with a disability or or um, somebody who's elderly or whatever. Um, and we also work a lot with people who are over 50 and who are, who are ready to move from, you know, either physically demanding jobs or just energy sapping jobs and want to do something for themselves that's going to let them create a little bit of revenue into their retirement years. Uh, but we tend to work with people who just don't fit that traditional nine to five mold. Yeah, there we go. Interesting. Uh, and I've also managed to pick your accent a little bit more as well. You say most things like an Australian, but you still pronounce your R's like an American. Oh, so yes. This is, this is the test, right? Whenever I, you speak to an American and they say, like in Australia, we say Melbourne. You know, we don't pronounce our R. We say Perth. You know, we don't pronounce the R, but Americans pronounce it. So say say Melbourne. Melbourne. Oh, you said that like an Australian. What can I say? What can I say? <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Well, Trudy, today's topic is all about um, creating a workshop or a course with a twist. So uh, I'm going to hand it over to you here. Start where you want to start, and, and I'll sort of jump in when needs be. But let us know, why do we want to create a workshop with a twist, and how do we create a workshop with a twist? Sure. Well, I mean, just even any kind of workshop, if you think about it, you know, the reason we do these things is that we want to be able to help change somebody's life, you know, and so and so what if we were able to, to you know, you, if you could be one course or one workshop away from being able to do that in a way that's memorable and very, very effective. And if, if you could make it one that helps to change people's perspective or help them to think differently about the, the topic or the subject that you're working on. But if you want it to be the kind of, of course or, or workshop, it doesn't matter. They can be used interchangeably or you can have a big course or a little workshop. You know, but when it's done, you want participants to walk away feeling you know, really fired up and you want them to know exactly what they need to do next to achieve their goals. And, and that's really, really important. So when I talk about um, you know, a, a, you know, creating content or course content or workshop or even a masterclass with a twist you want it to be one that and and what i'm talking about is going to be the kind that helps you engage participants it helps them remember what they've learned so that they can apply it really immediately uh, so that they can take that next step in their journey and then that can be either personal development or business growth you know or whatever it is that you're helping them with and um just a little bit more about my background i, I actually have a a background um, within in, in digital technology, and I've been I've got a background in corporates, working as a chief information officer um, and a project manager for for years and years and years. And I started my own online business in 2015, and and basically, <clears throat> I, I I got I got into it really because I ended up helping somebody who had sight impairment. Uh, figure out how to monetize their blog and they didn't know that that it could be done and and I had been discovering and learning about all these things and basically helping them do that helped me get into this whole world of uh, creating courses and things that are going to help people and I wanted to be able to use that 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 impact uh, to help other people so this is why I'm talking about the workshops and the courses and with the twists and things like that but what do I mean by with a twist? You know, it's the twist bit because there's so many workshops out there. There's so many courses out there. You want something that's going to be able to help you not just stand out, but actually have that bigger impact mm -hmm. uh, for the people who are taking it. And so what it is, it's, it's, a, it's a course or any kind of training session 
that has an interactive diagnostic type tool that complements and creates synergies with what you're teaching. So, and it's also, it helps participants think about the individual parts of the training that relate to themselves or the business. And, and it uses repetition and application, you know, so, you know, that's where that helps to, to retain it longer. Because if you're learning something, if you don't use it or you don't repeat it, you lose most of it, you know, with it by the next day, you've lost a lot of it. And so by repeating and then applying what you've learned, you're going to actually retain it a lot longer. Um, so, so basically, <coughs> a really quick example, super quick example is, is that uh, I do a lot of collaborations. And so I do a lot of these, you know, courses or workshops with a twist and one of the one of the people that I worked with uh, runs a marketing agency, and we wanted to help small businesses understand how they could get themselves to be standing out in the crowd, just to be able to make themselves visible, at, you know, in that whole sea of all of the competition and stuff. And basically, we set up one of these one of these workshops and and an interactive tool that you go through us these series of questions, and that based on the theory that's being taught, the the training that's being taught. And at the end of it, you end up with a, a, a results page or basically a, a kind of like a bit of a checklist that basically tells you very visually where you can improve and the things that you could be doing to help yourself just be much make people make, you know, make people much more aware of you and, and the value that you bring to the world. And so it's, it creates an aha moment about, oh, because for me, when I first did it and then said to the people, hey, let's turn this into a workshop. Um, basically, it was just, oh, now I can see why we're not as visible as we need to be. We've got such great content. We've helped a lot of people, but not enough people know who we are and what we can do. What can we do about that? And so that's just an example of what I mean by by creating an aha moment, by using an interactive tool, and then taking your learning and applying it. So that's that's kind of that's a, an example, I guess, of the type of, of course or or training content that I'm talking about. So uh, let's 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 even um, summarize this for a sec because that was awesome. Um, I get exactly what you're talking about. There may be some people listening to this that just over their head, you know, it's what's an interactive tool, what's a diagnostic tool, what's a synergy, what's the the compliments, you know. So let's let's um, summarize some of that. I'll summarize my understanding. Correct me if I'm right. Essentially, we want to create the course or the workshop with a twist, with a twist, with a twist. <laughs> uh, there's two different uh, reasons why we want to do that. First is to stand out in the marketplace, but also it's to give our our participants a better experience. Experience because anybody can go through a course and do it, but if it's a bad course, they're not going to remember anything. The ways we can get people to uh, remember more or to yeah to remember more essentially is repetition and also application. Am I right at that stage so far? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to add one more thing, and and you walk away with this with knowing what next steps to take. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, at the end of the course. Yeah, basically at the end of it. Yes. Awesome. Or at the end of the module. Of the module. It can be the module or it could be the course, depending on the length and size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. That part makes sense. Now, are you are you okay if we dive deeper into some of those? Like, let's say if we pick repetition as an example, how do we get more repetition into our, our course or our workshop without yeah. just saying the same thing over and over again? 
Yeah, and that's and that's where the the interactive tool is really really useful. Mm-hmm. So basically, basically, the kind of the way it works. I'll just walk you through. Like, pretend you're you're in in a situation where you're participating in one of these courses, and you're you're sitting yes. there at your screen, and it might be live, it might be recorded, and you're going through, and you're usually you're listening or you're watching somebody be a bit of a talking head, and and you're yeah. you're you're trying to consume and understand what they're trying to say. Hopefully, they're good teachers, and they're going to give you you know good visual examples. But but part of learning, especially for adults, is to be able to learn in different ways. Yeah. And in in the best kind of learning is by by applying what you've heard to actually physically doing. So yeah, when you if once you've listened to these these um, the, the things that is are being taught, then you go to this this online tool. It's really just think of it as this being an online quiz. That's that's really what it is. It's like is an online like an, quiz. An interact does that work, or is it different to an, an interact? Let's take a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Uh, sorry, what do you mean? Like, is it, when I say interactive, when, when oh, you answer no, this, I think there's a quiz software called Interact or something like that. Have you used, used that I, one? I have not used that one. I actually okay. use something different. I can talk about that later. But, okay, um, cool, cool. but yeah, there, there's all kinds of quiz softwares out there. But yeah. yes, you want something that helps you to create the questions and lay them out nicely. But the reality is, is that you could even do it using, you know, just a, a pen and paper. You could yeah. ask the question and they have to write the answer that down. That is true. Yeah. But, but it works best. I mean, it works best in terms of having a, um, <clears throat> pardon That's me. Automated, yeah. A, an automated thing because yeah. I could I could really dive into the detail, but um, I'd like to I'd like to get to the point of the of your question, yeah. which was is that the, the repetition side of yeah. things is then you hear the theory, and the teaching, and then you go to your quiz and you answer questions. And the thing about answering questions is, is that there's something really um, psychologically powerful about answering questions because you read the question and your brain automatically starts working on the question. Mm-hmm. And if you apply that question to your own situation and you have to answer it, so you have to think through your answer and answer the question, and you have to do it in the context of the question and the theory that's being taught, you're starting to embed through repetition of those thoughts um, and concepts, you're starting to embed that learning into your brain and you're applying it to your own situation. So it's relevant. And so you're going to remember it for longer. Awesome. And then that also ties in with the application as well, right? Because you're getting repetition in there, but you're also applying because it's not just remembering something now. It's there's a question that's asked with a slight tweak and you need to, you know, apply what you learned and then answer that. Is that the same? Is that what's going yeah, on there? That's what's going on. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right, cool. I've got my, my head around that. What's the the next thing we got to do to, to make sure our course or workshop has a quiz, tr- has a, a twist? Okay, so I, I do have a, a just a very simple four-step framework or four-part yeah. framework that I that I can walk you through if, if you like, or the yes, listeners please. through. Yeah, yeah. And and um, 
it it basically it it involves really seriously sitting down and doing quite a lot of thinking, but it is possible to do this in a relatively short space of time. And, and I'll just mention, um, I love using mind mapping software. Um, mm. I, I use Miro because you can just really map it out really quickly, but you can use anything. You could use pen and paper. doesn't really matter. Now, I just want to take a minute and let everyone know if you're a course creator, you've already got a course and it's not quite selling, uh, or if you're still in the process of putting your course together at the course creator community, we actually have a VIP group coaching program. It's the best program of its kind and the most affordable as well. So if you'd like some extra help and guidance in either putting your course together or selling your online course, I recommend joining the course creator community VIP program. I'll put the links down in the show notes. The first part of, of basically getting stuck into this and, and planning out what a, a course with a twist could be like is you want to start by imagining your, your potential participant, you know, who's going to be your student. And you want to have a really clear mental picture in your mind uh, of who they are and, and, and why are they working with you? You know, what, what is it about you and what you offer um, that has attracted them to you? You want to have that really clearly in your mind. And then you want to ask yourself seven questions. Okay. So first question is, where are they in their journey? And I'm not talking about the buyer's journey, you know, where you know, they don't know about you. And then all of a sudden they, you know, not all of a sudden, but they finally find out about you and buy your stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about their journey where they have a problem or a challenge or a goal that they're trying to achieve. And they're here and they want to be over here. Where are they along that journey? And then the second question is, what's the next small step? Small is really important here. What's the next small step? that they need to take to achieve their goals? How do they get from B to C? And is that where they are? Is that where they need to get to next? And then the third question is, is that, well, looking at where they are and where they want to be, where they need to be, how wide is the gap? How big is that chasm, that canyon, that gap, whatever you want to call it, they've got to bridge. There's something there that's got to be bridged in terms of their understanding, their knowledge, their experience or whatever. And then this is a really important question. This is question number four. What could you teach them in 30 to 40 minutes that's going to move them across the chasm? Now, if you're creating a great big course and there's lots of modules and there's lots of things to cover, just think about this in terms of modules. If you yeah, think yeah, about yeah. it, you know, yeah. 30 to 40 minutes for a module is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. People tend not to retain information so well if it's too much longer than that. So you want to see what you can teach them in 30 to 40 minutes that's going to help them bridge that gap. And then you want to ask yourself, how can you break that training down into small steps or chunks of material? And, you know, I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of people listening who are already going, wow, I already know a lot of this. But you want to, you want to make sure that, um, that you don't have too much for people to cover in one setting. Yeah. Because otherwise, as I said, people don't retain it. And then the next question is, what frameworks or proven process are you going to use to help people take those small steps? Now, that's a really important question because we're going to come back to that later. And then you obviously anybody who's 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 been creating courses for a while knows that you need to have activities within your training that's going to help people understand and internalize what you just taught them. And then and you want to also be starting to prepare them for using the interactive tool. I call it an interactive tool. It, like I said, it's just like a course quiz, but I, the, the, the word, using the word quiz can be a little problematic because 
people immediately think about when they were in grade school or university and you get a pop quiz and you didn't study and you feel terrible and it makes you feel bad about yourself. And it says, wow, you want something that's not, doesn't have that connotation. Yeah, gotcha. So, so, so I, I call it an interactive that's tool. A, that's a nice name for it. I wish they were what quizzes were called in, in high school. You know, it, it's just an interactive tool you got to take. I wish. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and by the way, if you don't, if you don't, use this interactive tool well you're not going to graduate um, yeah right mm-hmm. mm. yeah so so basically um so and once again I'll, I'll mention the mind mapping whatever you have you know use something to mind map as you break things down into the into the the chasm covering gap uh, uh and and basically the steps you're going to take to help to train them and then the second part of it is when it comes to the training side of things when you start to look at the the designing the actual training, um, whether that's a course, a workshop, or a masterclass, um, you're going to take those small steps that you've already identified in the pre-planning phase, and you're going to obviously use those as a basis for deciding what concepts you're going to include in each section of the training. And because you know, because everybody does have different learning styles. You do have to think about all of that. I'm not going to spend too much time on that. We're talking to people who are already deeply into the online course creation, but it's important to do that and do that well because it starts to line things up for when you actually get to the design of the twist part of it, you know, the interactive Mm -hmm. tool side of things. And the way I usually structure these things is you want to spend, you know, sort of 10 or 15 minutes talking, you know, explaining your relevant concepts and then you have a short activity where people either, if, if this is a live thing or even yeah. if it's by themselves, you want an activity where they can work together or maybe by themselves to apply the concept immediately to their situation, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, and rinse and repeat until you've kind of covered off all of the, the training side of things. And, and by the time you finish this planning process, you're going to have a really good idea of what it's going to look like, how you're going to run it, how long it's going to take and all that sort of stuff. Now, when it comes to that, this interactive tool or, or the twist part of things, Some people like to get their participants using this interactive tool right from the very beginning of the first Mm -hmm. activity. And some people like to do all the training and the activities first, and then they introduce the tool and they get people using it because it it just depends on your material um, and and what you're trying to do. Or some people will even use it as a way of demonstrating what they mean when they present the concepts. So I've had, I've worked with people who've done it that way and it just helps to, you know, incorporate all of the different learning styles where you're going, hey, this is the theory. And by the way, this is what I mean. And here's a case study. And I'm going to use the tool to show you how to how to work through the case study and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and obviously, obviously give people a chance to ask questions. So now we sort of come to part three where um, the, or the, the, the third step where we actually are looking at the actual interactive tool itself and creating that. And I want to just, there's a bit of pre-creation, pre-prep, if you want to call it that, that needs to be done as well. And, you know, it, it once again, it's all about doing the thinking before you really get stuck into it so that it saves you, trust me, it'll save you a lot of time and energy if you do this first. If you don't do this first, you're going to end up cycling back and doing it again because um, you'll just get stuck partway through. So the first, th- there's three really important questions to think about when you're starting to put together this interactive tool that complements your training that you've already, you've already mapped it out and you've planned it. The first question is, is, is that what aha moments do you want to enable for your participants? You know, what do you want them to be able to understand so that they walk out feeling like their mind's been blown um, or that an unsuspected problem's been highlighted? 
uh, or their next steps are laid out like blazing lights. You know, it's just as clear as day what they have to do next. So in other words, you know, what is it that you want participants to understand? And how do you want them to feel about what they've just discovered about themselves in their business? That's kind of an important part of it. What do you want them to feel? Do you want them to feel like, oh my goodness, uh, I'm such a failure. I haven't, I haven't done anything like I needed to do, blah, blah, blah. You know, or, or you can go, hey, wow, look at what you've done so far. Here's, here's a goal to aim for. Here's what you can do to help get that. So what's that aha moment that you want people to have or feel when they finished using the interactive tool? And the second question that really relates to that is, is that what do you want their final results page to look like? So basically, typically, if you think about um, online surveys or quizzes or anything that you filled out, questions where you fill, you've answered questions and you step your way through the questions and then you answer the final question and then usually a page pops up. Mm. And that's the results page. And in this kind of a situation where you're creating an interactive tool, you need to think about what you want that final results page to look like. How can you use it to help complement or, or enhance that aha moment? And certainly from my experience and, and my, my learnings from doing this so many times is that having a highly visual results page is best and not just text. You want something that people can consume really quickly at a glance. It's like scan. Oh, I got the main point. Well, and I did one can... of these. I did one of these just earlier, actually. What Game of Thrones character are you? You know, and it came up as a big photo of Jon Snow, you know, so I just knew straight away who I was, right? Exactly, exactly. You still had a description, obviously, you're Jon Snow because blah, 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 you know, but uh, it's a similar theory, right? It's a similar theory. It really is. And you want to basically have some way of showing them immediately what they're in, what where they are right now. Mm. And then you want to have enough depth and richness there so that they can go back in and look at the detail when they've got time to think and go, oh, and I could do this next so that I can achieve my goals. And so I don't know, look, I, I don't know about you, but one of the things that I love is, is that I really love a really good children's picture book. And not just because I have <laughs> not my grandkids. cup of tea. Yeah, I, I'm more a UFC fan, but yeah, I, see, I, I can see that. <laughs> the the thing is, is that a really good people think about children's books. They think, oh, there's there's not very much text there. You know, it must be really easy to create. They are harder to create than, yeah, than right. some of your bestsellers. Yeah, you're right. A, a really good children's picture book will 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 create synergies from the visual pictures, the images, yeah. and the text. They play off each other. They enhance each other. Yeah. Can I give an example? So I do a lot of work on Facebook ads, right? Uh Similar idea. The photo is everything, right? And it's the hardest one to get right. Like the text is easy, really. You know, once you know what you're doing, it's a bit of a a template. You know, you write that template. It's fine. The photo, right? And that photo needs to match it. You need people scrolling through. They need to look at that photo and then stop, and it needs to be linked as because it's not point just great. Just put a, a good looking girl in a bikini. Great, people are going to stop, but it's not going. It's not. Um, it, it's not related, right? So I yes, I see where you're coming from, and I agree hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really important thing to keep in the back of your head when you're thinking about the visuals for your results page, and and then you know basically you know my my uh, my go to suggestion every single time is is that you want to map out your results page as much as you can pen and paper, or you can use Canva, or you do a presentation slide, whatever works for you, anything that's going to help you visualize what your results page is going to look like. And you do have to have a a bit of an understanding of what type of information you're wanting to convey 
from your training through they answer the question and then what's the information that you want to convey to them do you want do you want to give them suggestions about how they can improve do you want to tell them how good they're doing do you want there's all different ways of doing do you want to give them a score and we'll, we'll get into that uh, well, that's actually my third my third question and and my third thing to think about is that how do you want to present the actual results you know is is are they going to get a checklist are they going to get a total score some personalized advice that's based on their answers um, and what you decide here is really important because it's going to determine how you frame your questions inside the tool, the interactive tool. And the question side of things is really important. And that's the fourth part or the, you know, the fourth step in actually creating this, this um, twist part of, of a course. And you want to decide which questions you want participants to answer and in what order. So the flow of your questions is really important. And you, you, you need to decide how much or how little demographic information you need as part of that. You might not need any. You might want some. I will often ask people, what's the name of your business? Or what's the name of your community? And then you use the software to automate that. When you have the results page, you say, hey, and you've got their name there. And then you've got the name of their community or their business. And then it really personalizes it for them and what they're doing, but you need to use the smarts of the software to do that. But it comes back to what you want to have on the results page. But it, coming back to the questions themselves, you need to think about what you want them to answer, what order. And, and my tip here is, is that less is more. Mm -hmm. You typically want to have between 10 to 15 questions and absolutely no fluff questions allowed at all. Yeah. Uh, you only want ones that are critical for helping them achieve that aha moment that we talked about earlier, that's really, really important um, because people, the more questions people have to answer, the tired their brains get because you're making them work and the more likely that they are to not finish it all the way through if you have too many questions. Now, I know that there's lots of, of this kind of thing where, uh, you know, you might go to a workshop on personality or do a course on mm, how your personality helps right? your, your working. What's that? That's different though, right? If it's part of if it's part of a if it's part of a um, a workshop or a course, you might answer some personality type questions and have something pop out that says, "Hey, this is your type. Here's how you can use your type to work better in the workplace or have better relationships with your teams and that sort of thing." So there's there, there can be a bit of overlap between those things, but that, I guess the point is is that is that if, thinking about your questions, coming up with those questions is going to be easier if you already have a framework that you use to help people get results. Mm -hmm. And so you want to look at your framework and how and how you use that framework. And you want to go through and you want to pare it down. And you want to just use the most critical parts of that framework to then use that to create your questions. Gotcha. Okay. So so that's that's really, really important. So I'll just really quick example. I I, I did one of these with Jillian Benbow from Pat Flynn's um, SPI Pro community. Oh, okay. So, so we did a we did an introduction to community management masterclass. And we basically started with her really deep experience of what is needed to start a community. And then we came up with a series of questions that were designed to help participants think, you know, through what needs to be in place so that when they start their community is going to give them every chance for success. Now she, she, she didn't have a written framework, but she had a framework already embedded in her head. So we, we teased it out and did it that way. But that's, that's what I mean by taking your, your knowledge and turning it in that you use to help people and crunching it down into questions that are going to help people take that next step. So 
once you've decided the questions that you want to have, then you need to decide how to frame the questions. And this is really important. And it's going to be really largely determined, you know, by how you've decided to display your actual results. So if you've decided you're going to give somebody a total score, you need questions framed in a way that are going to allow you to assign a score. So they're not open-ended questions like, you know, mm. what's your biggest problem, challenge, or frustration? That's not yeah. the kind of question you would have, although you might have yeah, that at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. You need yeah. scales or you need yes, no answers where, mm. you know, if you answer yes, you get this score. If you answer no, you get that score. Or if you on a, on, you know, thinking about your situation on a scale of one to five, how would you describe blah, blah, blah. And then you assign a score to each of those answers. And then that will allow you to present them with a score at the end. Um, if, if you're going to, so, so like I said, total score, you're going to have yes, no answers or scale type questions. If you're going to give them a checklist of things to work on, you'd want to phrase your questions so that there are multiple answers that they can choose from. No score involved. It's just simply statements of like, I'm like this, or I'm like this, or I'm like this. And then you ask, you know, which one of these best describes your situation. And then you use their answers. You can use that software automation to, to automate their results page to personalize what shows up on that checklist. Yep. Uh, so I, uh, uh, um, basically, basically, some of the other workshops that I've done is, is that it'll it'll pop up with with a table and the the questions that they were asked and and a smiley face, you know, red, green, whatever, and then a suggestion about what they can do to improve. And mm -hmm. um, so that could be like a checklist that they can take away. But it, but you phrase your questions so that it's easy to say how you did, you know, in terms of the answer that you gave. This puts you in the, hey, you've got room to improve or, hey, you're doing really well or, hey, there's some bits here you could do that or you could tweak things with. So that's 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 that bit around um, making sure you frame your questions in the right way. Um, and then once you've done that, you're going to want to quickly check them, your questions. So you obviously you're going to write your questions down, right? When you're doing, when you're actually creating, you're to write your questions down and the answers that you, that you want to have for those questions. And you want to just check your questions so that, that you can make sure that they don't break these six rules for writing great questions. And the, these are, these are really important because if you don't use these rules, you're going to end up with rubbish question answers and the results pages aren't going to make sense. You're not going to be able to give people that aha moment. So the first thing you want to check is that you want to check that the way the questions for the interactive tool are worded is crystal clear, you know, so that there's no room for confusion at all, no ambiguity, no way to derive more than one meaning from the words. Yeah. They get That's, me. I've, I've had quizzes like that. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Do you mean this or do you mean this? And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and, and sometimes being across more than one culture, like yeah. you know, I have, yeah, it can yeah. go, oh, hang on. But, but in Australia, it means this. In the U.S., it means that. Well, I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you a story there, for example, right? The, the best one is the word mm. bum. Oh, yeah. yes. In, oh, yes. I'm, I've got a fitness background, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things you got was a, a seven-day uh, workout for your bum. You know, it makes sense in Australia. In America, bum means homeless person, you know? So it yep. just, yeah, yeah. And there's heaps of them like that. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's so many, you can get yourself in such trouble. When I first moved to, to New Zealand, you know, the word rubber was really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't use that in America, right? Eh? 
Oh, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. So in New Zealand, a rubber is something you use to erase stuff. In the US, it's something completely different again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's just, uh, yeah, it's classic. So you do have to be careful. You want to make sure that there's no ambiguity, either culturally or from the word itself or et cetera. And the second, the second rule is, is that you want to make sure that there are no double questions. So where you've actually accidentally, because it makes sense when you say it, where there's been two different questions have been combined into one. So that it's really difficult for the participant to know which one of those things to answer. Mm, um, you know, and, you know, because you, and it's usually, you usually go, a, you know, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And you're yeah. going, oh, hang on, wait a minute. That's actually two questions. If you ever find yourself writing questions like that, break them up into two, have two questions instead of one, because you'll just confuse the heck out of people. They won't know how to answer. They won't trust your results as much. And, and there'll always be that little seed of doubt in their mind every time they look at it going, oh, well, but, but if I'd answered it the other way, would it have been different? Mm. So no double questions allowed. Triple check that and check it on other people so that to make sure that, you, that um, they don't see it as a double question either. The third rule is you want to make sure that you're, this is really important, that your questions are based on or relevant to the small steps that you've outlined in your training. Remember we talked about how you had to work out what's the gap, what are the steps they have to take to, to fill that gap. That's where that's important. And that's why I talked about it so much, even for people who already know how to set up a course. You've got to relate your quiz questions back to those steps. It's really, really, really important. And then the next thing is, is that the, the fourth rule is, your questions have to flow from one to the next in a logical way. And here's the tricky bit. If you don't have good software to automate your, this tool with, is, is that you need to be able to um, skip questions. So you need skip logic or branching logic, they call it. And if you say, let's just take it, let's just take, for example, um, which, which, which of these best describes your situation? Um, mm -hmm. I'm, okay. a, I'm a solopreneur. Or I have, or, or I'm a, a small business and a small business is usually more than four people in a team typically, uh, instead of being a micro business, which is one to four. And, and you then any few future questions that you ask after that, you never want to cross those things over. Yeah. So you never want to ask the solopreneur questions yeah. that yeah, would only be logical for a small business. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, so you want to make sure that they flow in a logical way and that if you need to skip steps, or skip skip questions uh, if it doesn't fit the flow that your software lets you do that. But you know when you're just creating the questions, you don't. That's not quite so important. It comes down to the capability of your software. Um, so then, for rule five, you need to think about this a little bit. Is that if you ask an either or type of question, and your next question will still make sense. So. What I'm really talking about is what I just mentioned, the branching logic side of things. Um, so, you know, if you ask some people a question about uh, how many people they have on their team and they say, it's just me, there's no way you want your next questions yeah. to be, to be all, all about, about all your, your big team. You know, it yeah, just doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense. So that's just another example of what we've just talked about already. Yeah. Um, and then the sixth rule that you need to, to make sure you, you check for is, is that the answers that you make available to choose for people to choose, they need to easily translate into people's personalized results pages. 
and that can be a little confusing if if you haven't used like quiz software before, but you need to, it comes back to the work that you've done and what you want your, your results page to look like, the visualization side of things. And you don't want something that's so complex and confusing or a massive chunk of text that it just looks ugly on the page or it doesn't get the point across or it just confuses people. So you need to think about the answers that you make available to choose. And this is an extra tip for free. If you can make it fun, mm. make it fun. It's so much nicer when it's fun um, and make people smile when they're answering it. So, but the most important thing to remember out of all of those six rules is, is that you always have one question per question. You're not allowed to have double questions. Mm. Got to be crystal clear. Crystal, crystal clear. So that's that's the that's the my four step or four part um, guide to basically planning a course or workshop or a masterclass or any kind of training content with a twist, so that you're actually bringing along and and letting people use. Uh, I go through a series of questions that are going to help embed the learning, give them something that they can focus on in the future in terms of how they can take their next steps. And, and basically go from there. And, you know, I've, we've mentioned software tools a few times. If you want me to get into that, I can, or we can just, uh, I can answer questions. Yeah, let's, well, I want to be sensitive of, of your time there, Trudy. There's just a couple questions I always like to finish up with um, on the podcast. So we'll, we'll go through them. Uh, the first one is around course platforms. So you've obviously created a lot of workshops and, and courses before. Do you have a plat like a actually give us the quiz as well? Give us the quiz software you recommend, and then also give us the the course uh, software you recommend too. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, and when it comes to creating these quizzes or interactive tools, um, basically I use something called Leadshook.io, Leadshook.io, and it's it's the the best one I found. It is it's uh, in terms of functionality, it's right up there at top end. In terms of price, it's really beautifully right in the middle. It's, it's, it's affordable. It's actually affordable. And I, if people are interested in sort of finding out a little bit more about it, I actually have a, a page on my website where if they want to go, I'm affiliate for it because yeah, I've, yeah, I yeah. use it all the time. And, and basically, I've got some bonuses. If people use my affiliate link to sign up, I've got some bonuses there for them. And it will help them, you know, in terms of creating creating their their, their interactive tool or their quiz using Leadtook. But I, I really highly recommend it. If you're... If you're like if you're just beginning and you're just getting started out in, in some of these things, there are other things that you can use um, that are free. They won't give you the back-end branching logic necessarily that you need, but you can use things like Google Forms, mm. Type Forms. There's all kinds of things that you can use that are that are that are usable um, that can let you get started. But I love Leadshook. So that's that's the quiz software. Uh, and and in terms of the course creation software, look, I've done a bit of experimenting. You know, I've 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 had a look at Teachable. I used to have some stuff up on Skillshare. I've looked at Udemy. You know, I've used Thinkific and a little bit more intensively than some of the others. And at the moment, I'm actually experimenting with Circle. Oh, okay. And, and now Circle, for people who don't know, Circle is actually a software that's for community building. But they've increased their functionality so that you can have you can have a payment gateways in there. You can do your courses online. Uh, you, you present them online if you want to live. Um, and, and we, because I have a community, I have a, a community for the people that I work with. Um, we have a lot of our courses sitting inside. In fact, almost all of our courses sit inside. And you just basically go, you create a, a channel for it. 
People can go there. If they have permission to go there, they go there. They can consume the courses and it just works really well. There we go. Awesome. All right. Next question, Trudy. Someone's listening to this podcast. They're like, all right, this woman is awesome. I want to work with her. I want to follow her. What, what do we do? Have you, you got anything on offer? You got any specials, your, your social media? Where, where do we go? Yeah, for sure. So so I'm actually, well, a couple of things. In, in order to, I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. So you can just say, hey, I heard you on John's show. Um, would you love to connect? And I'll, I'll be saying yes. You know, if you don't give me a message saying where you heard me or, or why you're connecting with me, I will tend to ignore you because mm. I get a lot of spam. Yeah. But if you say why you're interested in connecting, I'd love to connect with you. Um, and basically, it, or you can go, you can just go to our online business liftoff.com website, check us out. You may, if it's not for you, you may know somebody in your life who, who would love to be able to start an online business and they're limited in how they can go about it. They might not have a lot of time because of the demands of their life. They can go there. But I'm just in the process of, of I've, I've put together a wait list um, for, uh, I, I'm going to do a training session uh, for, it'll be like a, a small group coaching program for people who want to create a workshop or a course with a twist. And I'll help, I'll help people work through that whole process of looking at what you're trying to do to help people breaking that down into the questions, building it into a quiz, turning it into something beautiful that actually helps give people that aha moment. So if people are interested in signing up for the wait list, um, I'd be delighted. I'll give you the link. Uh, I'll send you through the, the link, John, and you can pop it up in the show notes. And yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. No dramas. So I'll put both of those. I'll put Trudy's LinkedIn and I'll also put the um, the link to the wait list as well. Um, Trudy, that's pretty much all I wanted to cover today. Thank you very much for, for sharing your framework. Is there anything you want to finish us off with? Or is there anything I should have asked you but but forgot to? Where do you want to finish off? Oh, I, it's been fantastic. I love talking about this stuff. You can tell that I, I get excited about it. The thing is, is, is that, you know, if you if you're a course creator and you're you're struggling to sort of get the traction or you're you're trying your best to make sure that you're creating something that's going to be really, really useful for people, the best thing you can do is just get started. Mm. Do it learn the lessons, get feedback from people. And like I said at the beginning, if it feels like you've fallen down seven times, don't give up, get up that eighth time, try again. And just, if you keep a learning mindset, you're going to get there eventually. Love it. Awesome. All right, Trudy, thank you very much for your time. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Course Creator Community Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.